okay, Lord, you're going to have to teach me because I, I, I'm not here to teach anyway. I'm just here to reveal the revelation that God's given me and just to share it with you. And hopefully it would minister to you. Hopefully it would encourage you. Hopefully you can be equipped by it. And, um, and it was funny just yesterday, the Lord switched it up on me. So he wants me to talk about prayer and fasting. So whoever wants to know more about prayer and fasting, whoever this is for, we're going to talk about it today. Okay, cool. So, the Lord was hearing you guys, and he's just going to use me as a mouthpiece to flow. So, um, okay. So, does anyone have an idea what the glory of the Lord is? Any type of, any, anybody can chime in, whatever they think the glory of the Lord is. No one has an idea, no clue. And how could I? Okay. I have an I mean, I have an idea. It's just my idea. Okay. But um, maybe like how he can how he can do good things, good things for you. Maybe like I don't know. That's my idea. Okay. So let's try to do this. So when we try to gain our own glory, can I, I say something? Okay. Yes. Go for it. I, I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct, but I do think that the glory of the Lord is just, you know, acknowledging that Jesus died and paid the ultimate sacrifice for all of us and that um, we should try to um, live our, our lives in honor of him. And um, as Angelica is saying, you know, love one another, be good to each other, um, because that's how we give our thanks back to him for the sacrifice he made for us. Okay. You're, you're on the right road, Nikki. You're on the right road to the glory of the Lord. So let's, let's try to, um, know that let's try to divide this and know the difference, right? So when we try to obtain our own glory, it's through our, what our accomplishments, our accolades, our appraisal from men and women, uh, a validation that we're being glorified for whatever we've done. Right. And the glory of the Lord is different. Right. So the glory of the Lord is also that we glorify him through our vessel, through what we do. But then there's also a glory of the Lord that can come to us and become tangible. And it's a manifestation. So let me give you the definition of what glory means. Glory in the Greek means Shabbat, weightness, that which is substantial or heavy, glory, honor, splendor, power, wealth, authority, magnificence, fame, dignity, riches, and excellency. The root of Shabbat is Shabbat, to be heavy, glorious, notable, or to be renowned. In the Old Testament, heaviness represented honor and substance, while lightness was equated with vanity and instability and temperness and emptiness. Chabad is God's glory, not only his honor, 
renown and majesty, but also his visible splendor, which is filled in Solomon's temple and will someday fill the earth. From Chabad are derived the names of um, Jochoabed, jo, 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 excuse me, Jochebed means Yahweh is glory. And Ichabod is where is the glory. So this glory has so much to it that I did not know. That this glory is actually a manifestation of God's presence. It has a heaviness. So like when we kind of like say, oh, there's a heaviness in the room. Yeah, that can be a demonic heaviness. There's also a heaviness of the Lord. That's far heavy than any demonic presence, right? So... And also, like, glory is the manifestation of God's presence, fame, renown, heaviness, dwelling, settling, and power, right? So um, has anybody ever heard of the Shekinah glory? Does any, have anybody heard of Shekinah glory? Have you? No? So, <clears throat> so Shekinah is not in the Bible. But in Hebrew, so if we go into the, to the manuscripts, the, the original documents that were written in Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever you want to call it, um, the Shekinah glory. So let, let me just, I'm going to read it right here. Shekinah, the biblical Hebrew is Sekinai, also Romanized as Shekinah or Shekinema or Shenema. In English, uh, transliteration of Hebrew wording the word meaning dwelling or settling and denotes the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God. Shekinah, glory, means dwelling or settling and denotes the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God. Also right here, another definition, glory. So glory from the Latin means gloria, fame, renown, is used to describe the manifestation of God's presence as perceived by humans according to the Abrahamic religions. Thus Christians are instructed to let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? So we're making the Lord famous by representing him and doing his work and his will that gives him fame. But also God comes with the glory of the Lord and has his manifestation and has his manifestation presence dwell in that place where we're seeking him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So okay. it sounds like it's two parts. It's two parts. So I'm trying to just I'm trying to make sure that we know the difference. But what I'm gonna talk about today is just God's glory. In a sense, I will add some scripture that will be that we actually have the glory of the Lord in us, but that also the glory of God can come upon us too. Okay, so let's do Romans chapter eight. I'm going to have a bunch of scriptures. So Romans chapter eight, twenty nine, verse thirty. Right. So we're going to go there. How are we doing on time? Okay. All right. We're going to get this. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to 
help me to explain the word. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And who he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Right? So let's do an example. So the Lord chose us. He predestined us, right? We didn't find God. Um, we didn't love God. We didn't seek God. Remember last week? It says, no one has seeked me. No one has loved me. No one is even thinking about me. And I make myself known to them, even though they don't call upon me. Or I answer them, even though um, they, didn't, they didn't cry out to me, right? So what happens is when we're predestined, it says, no, it says no man can come before the father unless the father draws him near. So the Holy Spirit is who calls us to the father, calls us to the father's heart, right? And then once, and it says the just shall live by what? Faith, the just. So by grace through faith, we are saved. So now we are justified by the faith of believing on Jesus for eternal life as a son of God, right? Our savior, our king, our Lord. And once that happens, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we're able to glorify the Lord in the right way, right? We don't have to do animal sacrifices. We don't have to do all these works. We don't have to attain the law of 613 laws plus the Ten Commandments, right? We actually, it says in God's word, help me, Holy Spirit, where is it? Um, Hold on, just give me a second. It's on the tip of my tongue. That we are... We are the hope of glory, right? It's Christ in us that we are the hope of glory, right? To live, to live in Christ, to die is gain, right? So the thing is, it's the hope of glory within us because we receive the Holy Spirit. Now we're able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth and actually glorify him through our good works now by shining our light. Right? It's to shine your light before all men that by your good works you may glorify your Father in heaven. Right? So, with this being said, I was in my secret place this morning. I woke up like at 5.45. I got in there like at 6.15. Stayed about 45 minutes and I was praying and I was, you know, reading my Bible and, and worshiping him. And I started to ask God, why, why does it take so long to start feeling your presence? Why, why does it seem like it's like a, not a chore, but effort, 
effort to get into this presence of the Lord, right, with glory. And he didn't answer that to me in my secret place, but he answered to me when I was eating my breakfast afterwards. And what he showed me was so amazing. I want to show, I want to share it with you guys um, because I wrote it down. So this is what the Holy Spirit was telling me. How the glory is how the glory is revealed within us is when we represent the heart of the Father, also representing Him in spirit and in truth. So what the Lord showed me, He said, once you start having your heart connected to God's heart, once all the distractions leave, once all the cares of the world leave, once all the agenda that I have to do today leaves, and we're actually just focused on Him. That's when my heart is aligned with the Father's heart. And that's when I can start feeling his presence. I finally tap into who he is. Not what I want. Not what I'm asking of him. It's actually just being close to his heart where my heart is aligned with his, if that makes sense. So the Holy Spirit revealed to me how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He showed me how to align my heart with God's heart, and I'm glorifying him. Because I'm worshiping him how he should be worshipped. See, the thing is, like, when people worship back in the day, he showed me that they just worship me with my tongue, with their tongue and their lips. They don't actually worship me with their heart in spirit and in truth. Because they either want something, they want a blessing, they want an answer, they want the promises of the Lord, but don't really want to know who he is or have a relationship with him. So what I envisioned when I was when I was having this revelation right here, eating breakfast, he showed me Jesus on his knees before the throne of God, worshiping God, the Father. And I could see Jesus, but as like a spirit, not in the human bodily. Well, he is a bodily form. He had shape. Obviously, I knew it was Jesus. But I seen him worshiping the Father and giving him praise, right? And then I see Jesus get up. And then he gets in the throne on the right-hand side of God. And now you see like this light. And now I'm worshiping both of them on my hands and knees. And now I'm actually worshiping them how they want to be worshipped. Because guess what? Jesus' spirit lives in me now. So I'm able to work. So that's why, the, that's why the Father is so pleased with my worship now. It's not because I know how to sing good. It's not know I, I know how to keep a beat. It's literally because I have the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of Jesus worshiping the Father. Because I have sonship or you have daughtership. You have the Holy Spirit that you're able to actually glorify the Father how he likes to be glorified. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, I covered that. Yeah, and and he revealed that to me and I thought that was so amazing because I'm like, okay, now I have a better understanding. Now I can see that I need to keep my heart here And if it took me 30 minutes to finally get to a point, to finally get to a point where now I can worship him for 15 minutes with my whole heart, that's more valuable to him than the 30 minutes 
that maybe I was singing along or I was reading or I was trying to get there. Yeah. Right. It was, it was, God cares about the quality compared to the quantity. Does that make sense? Because we can, we can seek the Lord for four hours, but never hear a word from him, never feel his glory, his presence, or not even get to a point where we're just worshiping him there just because we're just doing some ritual or doing some, oh, this is my routine for the day. got to make sure I get it done. But once a minute's over, I'm out. So I literally have to go into the presence of God and say, God, I'm not going to rush this experience. This is your time, not mine. And whatever else that is trying to take my time away from you doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? It's not valuable. So that's, we have to really let the Holy Spirit reveal that in you. So it changes your perspective and your motive when you go into the presence of God. Okay. Um, So Matthew chapter five, verse 16. I'm just going to give you verses today. I'm not going to really read. Well, I'm actually going to read one chapter on prayer and fasting. But this one is. Let your light so shine before men that you may that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And this is not just to parade. But hey, I'm donating a million dollars to this foundation. Look at me. Give me my glory. This is like, can be done in secret. This is done where no one else knows, but that person knows what you're doing for that. Does that make sense? But you can also, it just depends where the Lord has you, right? And if people do see, then yeah, then it sees that way. That guy's walking in love with that person. And God is love, right? So we're walking as, as God, right? We're imitating him. We're image bearers of him, right? Okay. So the first, I'm going to go back. I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. Um, Hopefully this is all making sense. Now we're going to go back to the Shekinah glory. So when this happened, this was actually in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 7. In 2 Chronicles, Old Testament, guys. 2 Chronicles. So just to give you a background on this, Second Chronicles is where King Solomon has built the temple for God, right? And he is declaring this temple to the Lord, okay? So, so David was the one that wanted to originally build God's temple, right? But the thing is, God said, you have shed too much blood on your hands. I will give you the blueprint. But your son, Solomon, is the one that's going to build the temple, right? Solomon is the most wisest and richest man that ever lived. was King Solomon. Far more than anybody else that's rich. Far richer than Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, Jeff Bezos. Like, far past that. Okay. Far wiser too. <laughs> so this is Second Chronicles chapter seven, where Solomon dedicates the temple. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven 
and consume the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worship and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord, and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. I'm going to stop right there. So... Because of obedience and sacrifice, the glory of the Lord shows up. That's how it should be like in our secret place. We come in obedience, seeking the Father and what he wants us to do, but also sacrificing, casting our burdens before the Lord, right? He'll preserve you and the righteous shall not be moved. So we will literally feel God's presence once we laid it down, I remember when this morning I said, God, I just throw it all at your feet. Here you go. All of it. There you go. And once I did that, I actually felt a weight come off. I felt that I could focus now. I wasn't carrying my own burden for the whole week that I've been carrying it. I picked up God's burden where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, come all that who are heavy laden and burdensome, and I will give you rest, right? Come rest in me. So when we go into that state, we feel the presence of the Lord too. That's when you start, not always, but for me, I get emotional. I start to cry. And I've never been a, a crier. But once I experience God's glory, there's a heaviness. But it's a heaviness of like, oh, wow, like this is what I've been missing. The peace of the Lord, the joy, right? It says the full, it says his presence, his presence is the fullness of joy, right? It's the glory. Oh, look at this. I think this is not a coincidence. Uh, we're on Second Chronicles chapter 7, and then it talks about joyful. So the joy is connected to God's glory. Joyful in the uh, Greek is semit or semak, happy, joyful, cheerful, rejoicing, festive. Semak comes from the root semak, to rejoice, to get happy, or to be joyful. Semak appears as an adjective 23 times in the Hebrew Bible, and more than 150 times its verbal form usually translated rejoice or be glad, right? It says enter the God's courts with thanksgiving and praise. It says rejoice in the Lord always. I say rejoice, right? Rejoice in the day that he's created, the day that he is made, right? Um, Semek is a word that is increasingly being used in Christian circles as pilgrims return from Israel using the phrase Chag Samach, which roughly compares to the English phrase happy holidays, but it's literally a joyous festival. Okay, so that was just the definition of joyful. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 
Second Corinthians. How are we doing on time? Okay, we haven't even got to prayer fasting yet. <laughs> get there. Does how does that? Does everybody kind of get what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Okay. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Chapter three. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So this is amazing. Um, There's different levels of glory. Um, If you guys know who Smith Wigglesworth was, he was a mighty man of God. In the early 1900s, late 1800s. And this guy was a plumber. Right? But once he got filled with the Holy Spirit and literally dedicated his life to the Lord, he wouldn't even let anyone come with a newspaper in his house. He said, get that, get that lying garbage out of here. Can't be in here. He said he would bring pastors in to his house. And they would pray. And they said that the glory of the Lord would come so strong upon that place where they were worshiping in the room that Smith Wigglesworth would actually forewarn them and say, stay as long as you can possibly can. Stay as long as you can possibly bear to. They said the glory of the Lord got so heavy that pastors were crawling on the floor to get out. That's how heavy the glory of the Lord is. And, and it's crazy because if you look at the definition, it says heaviness. Mm-hmm. So God's heaviness is actually like a weight, but it's a weight of like just beauty and like just magnificence, right? It said all those things are riches, excellency. Like it's just everything that is good is in God's presence. And once the glory of the Lord arrives somewhere, enemy has to scatter. Enemy has to go. It cannot be in the presence of the Lord. They had to literally be ejected out of heaven once sin was committed. God's like, boom. Remember Jesus said, I seen you, Satan, fall like a lightning bolt down. No demonic force is ever going to want to be in the presence of the Lord. They tremble at the name of Jesus and they tremble in God's presence. Okay. So just want to clear that up. <laughs> okay. Psalm chapter 24, verse 10. Oh, yeah. From glory to glory, right? So we're moving with the revelation because we're being transformed into the image of Him. That's, that's one of my prayers that I always go to Lord God, help me to be an image where, help me to imitate your son, help me to transform into the image of your son. Because I know what that's going to lead to. It's going to lead from glory to glory. It's going to lead my spirit. It's because of the spirit of the Lord. It's because of the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in all you that you're able to move. Right? It says move from faith to faith, glory to glory. Faith to faith is moving from your comprehension of the word. Right? It says by faith or it says um, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So that's how we grow from faith to faith. We actually start, it's like um, like a textbook. Like you start going on to, okay, pre-algebra. 
then algebra one, algebra two, you know, and then whatever's after that, because I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just saying this word, yeah, trigonometry or whatever, but this this word has revelation where you will build your faith. You won't believe what you maybe believed a year ago. If you stay in the word, you'll start to grow and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. But then this glory is actually transforming. So the word transforms you into the image of Jesus, which moves you from glory to glory. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Psalms, I'm going to try to speed up. Psalms chapter 24, verse 10. Okay. How do you... Do you, are you understanding this? Yes. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. 24, Psalms ch- chapter 24, verse 10. Who is this? king of glory the lord of hosts he is the king of glory simple as that jesus is the king of glory jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords when jesus when we actually go in our secret place the lord meets us there through his spirit yeah jesus is sit at the right hand but his presence his dwelling and settling become in there when we seek him. He makes his home in our home and, and dines with us. Does that make sense? But we have to invite him to come and then he'll show up. He's never late. He's always on time. Yeah. And he's so patient. And he's so longing to be with us in that secret place for his glory to manifest in you. And his glory to shine upon you. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 4. You don't have to go there. I mean, I can just, I can just read it to you guys real quick. I know I'm kind of going fast. Forgive me. Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 4. I've been reading this. It's, it's super good. Uh Chapter 10, verse 4. Right here it says, Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple. And the house was filled with a cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Okay, so literally this glory can become tangible. This glory can actually manifest, and I'm still waiting on it. I'm like, Lord, I need to, I need to experience your glory. I experience presence, but this is actually can become a manifestation. It can actually start feeling. I think what it is, honestly, this is good. Holy Spirit just kind of got me there. When I start to cry, I'm barely entering in to the glory of the Lord. I'm almost like trembling, and I'm like. Oh, like this is beautiful. And I need to push further to go in. And maybe that's why I haven't reached it yet. Because I'm, I'm almost content just to be at the edge of the glory. 
but I can be fully submerged in, right? Just, poof, just lay in it, right? So, John chapter seven, verse eighteen. John chapter seven, verse not first John, just regular John. John chapter seven, verse eighteen. He who speaks for from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one, capital, who sent him is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Okay, so that's what I was talking about. We don't seek our glory. We seek the Father's glory to glorify him in everything we do. Okay. And then Romans chapter 9, verse 23. Romans chapter 9, verse 23. Like I said, I'm still learning this concept. I'm still growing in this. I'm just, I just wanted to share the revelation that I received just today. That was amazing. Um, Romans chapter 9, verse 23. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. So he's prepared us, right? It says we're vessels of of honor, right? We're vessels of gold and silver equipped for every good work to be ready to be used by the master, the Lord Jesus. So we're, we become these vessels of glory to be poured out on people because some people don't get to experience the glory of God like we do because we have relationship, right? No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again, right? That's what Jesus said. And that's when, um, what's that Pharisee's name? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I forgot his name, but anyways, he was talking about like, oh, you know, we go back into our mother's womb. No, it's when you become born again, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that's when you enter, that's when you can only enter in when you receive the spirit of righteousness and you you receive the spirit of truth and wisdom, right? Um, So... I know it's 8.03, and I haven't went to prayer and fasting yet. So does anyone have any questions? Does anybody um, have any thoughts, any ideas? Does anyone else want to chime in? Okay, no? Anybody want to chime in, add anything? If not, we're going to go to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oof. Okay. Hopefully everyone's there. Fasting that pleases God. Okay, there's a there's actually a wrong way to fast. You can fast by just dieting because you want to do it for losing weight. You can actually um, do f- fasting wrong by. By saying you're fasting, seeking the Lord, but really you're watching TV, you're on your social media, you're 
not you're not actually fully dedicated to the time. Uh, um, in prayer all the time. You have ready to, you know, like I start when I get up. I I'm in prayer until right. twelve, then I eat. Right. And then I close my Bible. Right. So that's like intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. So there's a fasted lifestyle. But then there's also where we dedicate time to fast just to seek the Lord. Say like we have, like we want an answer from the Lord. Mm-hmm. This is what Dr. Mon- Dr. Miles Monroe said. He said, if you fast and seek the Lord, mm-hmm. you will always receive an answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Always. As long as the Lord tells you to keep on fasting. As long as you're doing it correctly and your motives are pure, then he'll he'll answer that. Um, I have a little experience of fasting. Um, the longest fast that I've done is three days with just water and and coffee. Well, actually, just one cup of black coffee. That was it. And then one tea bag. But it was like a probiotic. But anyways, so the thing is, I seek the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And on the third day of my fast, <laughs> my boss never buys food. Ever. <laughs> ever. I'm talking like he never, ever buys food. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, yeah, I'm just going to buy pizza for us. <laughs> and he literally puts the pizza box... <laughs> 10 feet away from me from my desk and the whole office smells like delicious pizza <laughs> and Dr. Miles Monroe said oh, he's so good he said all your friends are working for the enemy at that time when you're fasting because you will have you will have people want to take you out to dinner you will have people wanting bringing you free food and it's like an attack from the enemy I'm not trying to say like oh everything's demonic but man what a coincidence that he never buys food on the day that the Lord's like, I want you to fast. And I want you to fast for three days. And I had three questions that I asked the Lord for that fast. I said, Lord, how long? Um, this is actually, this is when I fasted, like, kind of right before getting married. Because I'm going to say this. To anybody that's going through a circumstance in your life where it's relational, financial, spiritual, uh, addiction, um, any type of bondage to anything, um, you need more clarity, fast and pray, and I will guarantee you, you will get an answer from the Lord. I will guarantee it. The Lord, this is what I've, I've read, and I wish I could go deeper into this, but we just don't have the time right now, but prayer and fasting is like an atomic bomb in the spiritual realm. Because you're dying to your flesh. You're dying to the desire to actually eat. So you're depending on not the nourishment that you get physically. But you're depending spiritually on the word of God. That no, that no man will live on just bread alone. But every word that comes from God's mouth. Right? Jesus fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. Okay? There's, no, there's people that, for, that fasted. 40 days. Caesar Chavez was one of them. Caesar Chavez? He's a murderer. What's the mic? He's an immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. 
people that come from Mexico. Yeah. Yes. But see, but he was he was not fast fasting to seek the Lord. He was, but he was fasting to. He was. Yeah, but he was fasting for change. So he did that in that sense. Imagine if you seek the Lord, what you'll see. Was he protesting? Yeah, he's protesting yes. not to eat. Okay, so I'm going to read this. Fasting that pleases God. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? So you have not gotten an answer. You have not seen anything yet. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. It is a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? That's when people would actually... um, they would start to fast and cry out to God. Like the Jews, they would put on sackcloth and ashes, right? To show that you, you know, the actual word, Dr. Miles Monroe said this, um, to actually be humble, to humble yourself is to fast. So humility, you know, how we humble ourselves before people, mm-hmm. but like a true humble, like how we humble ourselves before the Lord mm-hmm. is through fasting and praying. Because we show, Lord, I'm not going to touch a single morsel of food until I seek you, until I hear from you, until I know. That even Esther, right? Do you know the story of Esther? Mm-hmm. Okay, of Esther, where she's being chosen as a wife mm-hmm. to the to the king of Babylon at that time, and it was like Mordecai. I think that was her uncle. Anyways, this other guy was trying to kill all the Jews. And Esther was a Jew. And she never said that to the king of Babylon, but the king of Babylon desired her. So what she did, she fasted and prayed. She did not have no food nor drink of water. So that's even because she was sinking God for three days that her her nation would be delivered. They they wouldn't be uh, a mass genocide. And the Lord answered her prayer, right? And even the guy that was planning on to hanging these Jews on the gallows, he got hanged by his own gallows. Yeah, he got got hung. Okay, anyways, there's people that fasted in the Bible. Daniel fasted, right? Daniel fasted. 21 days, but his was vegetables and, and fruits, I believe. But no bread, no meat, no wine, none of that. Seeking the Lord. So you can do it that way too? Or not? You can. Yeah. I, vegetables? 
Christian. Oh no. 